want you to get mad. I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to write. I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and that crying in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, Are you as tired as hell? But I'm not going to take this Welcome to another heart-pounding, heart-pounding, heart-stopping, heart-throbbing episode of P2P Radio. I am your humble yet gracious, ambitious yet humbled host, Rick Ryder, here on P2P Radio. Thanking you again for sticking with us, being with us, being a part of us, and contributing to us along the way. We got an action-packed and heart-throbbing episode for you today. Uh, We have not one, but two, two hard-hitting guests on our show that is, is going to be exciting, is going to be educating, you're going to learn some facts, you're going to see some debate, and in fact, you can be a part of that show. In fact, we want you to comment on the Facebook Live feed, put what you want to hear, uh, put what you think about what is being said, you can come in and interact with people that's watching the show with us, and then if your comment is good enough, it will even appear live on screen in real time on this episode, giving us the opportunity, not only me, but our contributors and our guests to interact with you, the people. So before we get on to that, before we start dialing in and dialing up, let's first go into, as usual, my take. So um, we have had a lot of stuff going on here in D.C., which we're based off in. It is the most exciting time every time I get on the airways because there is something, if not a slew of things, that's going on here in D.C. Um, we have a health care bill that's getting debated literally right now as we're speaking. We have um, the President Trump putting in new staff. Um, Press Secretary uh, Sean Spicer resigned last week. We now have a new communication director. Sarah Huckabee is the first female press secretary, so she accomplished that. And at the same time, we have a new White House press secretary um, and communication director who seem to be openly bashing 
the chief of staff on the press for three days straight. So it's a lot of stuff going on. But one of the most important topics that I think we should cover during this take is what happened yesterday. And that is um, President Trump's tweet in reference of the transgender ban. Now, there is a slew of debate that can be had on this subject. Both sides have marital points. Should transgender people be able to serve this country, be able to lay down their lives and sacrifice for this nation? That is an open debate that can be had. Should the taxpayer pay for these medical procedures? Should we fund that? That can, is a debate that can be had. However, that is not the debate that is being had right now, at least according to reports through Politico, CNN, and also some of the very representatives that were engaged in that debate. President Trump tweeted yesterday that no transgender personnel should be allowed or currently should be allowed to serve in the military. Now, that puts in a whole bunch of questions saying that what are we going to do about the estimated 6,000 personnel that are currently serving in active and reserve capacities in our military today? However, it seemed to be, according to political at least, that this was done not because of morale, not because of unit readiness, not because of combat effectiveness, but because there needed to be a deal. According to some conservative that was a part of the House representative, such as Representative Jim Jordan, um, there was a debate about should the U.S. government fund or pay for medical procedures for transgender soldiers. That debate needed to be had. And opposedly, those representatives, the Republicans, were planning to withhold the defense budget, at least hold off on it in exchange for the wall being built, which is one of the uh, many campaign promises that President Trump campaigned on last year. So President Trump seemingly engaged in a deal. I addressed the, the transgender issue. You give me the wall. That was a deal that opposed it both be had. However, according to those representatives, such as Representative Jim Jordan, he said that there was not a talk about an outright ban. The, ban, the plan was to have the debate about the medical procedures, which is a legitimate conversation. However, the ban was a step too far, even according to those representatives that engaged in the debate. Now, again, what should be tax funded, what should be tax paid is a reasonable debate that can be had. Right now, the military also pays for Viagra and also plastic surgery. So we can have that debate about what should be funded by the U.S. military. If you want to talk about combat effectiveness, we have studies that show that transgender personnel actually have a minimum impact on unit readiness. But again, that is not the debate that was being had. The debate that was being had was seemingly a backroom deal that apparently went too far than what was originally intended. This has a severe impact. Not, it's not a severe impact, a direct impact on soldiers who are directly laying down their lives or willing to lay down their lives for our country. So the debate needs to be had, but it needs to be studied. It needs to be thoroughly vetted and needs to be with the mindset of these are real people who are serving our country for the greater good. And that is not the debate that's being had right now. So that's just my take. So let us engage into other people's take. Like I said before, we have a chalk filled episode for you today. Uh, we have first up um, brand new news, according to, uh, according to us, is uh, we have a new contributor, Mr. Aaron Lawson. And also we're going to have our guest, Texas GOP Field Director, 
Thomas Mardik. Um, this is, again, going to be a, a, a good and thorough discussion talking about Trump, talking about GOP, talking about the Democrats, talking about what is the better path for America. So first up, let's bring in our new contributor, who is Aaron Lawson. What up, what up? You're one minute, sir. So, Mr. Lawson, how are you doing right now? I'm doing well. I'm doing very well. Well, first off, thank you and congratulations for being a part of P2P. We're glad to have you as an official political contributor. I'm very honored uh, to be a part of this. I think uh, being able to, to give a voice to certain people who have not had a voice is a, a good thing. And um, you, you're doing good things on this channel. So I, I, I gladly wanted to step in a role as in, in helping uh, to further uh, the voice of PDP Radio. Well, man, it's greatly appreciated. And um, again, I, I thank you for being a part of it. We look forward to having your opinion on the show. And um, hopefully, we will have a spirited yet engaging debate with our guest. So, enough of, <laughs> enough of teasing him. But before we bring him on, please be sure that, again, you can comment on the show in real time. All you got to do is just comment below, and we will put your comment on the air. So, now, let's bring in Texas GOP Field Director for the Kevin Brady Campaign. Uh, also, he's great. His name is Mr. Thomas Martin. Sir, how are you doing? How's it going? I'm fantastic. So, uh, sir, again, thank you for being on the show. Uh, we want to, you know, know you're a busy man. We know you got a busy schedule. And the fact that you took part in it, we, we just uh, want to say thank you again. I'm glad to. So um, let's uh, first go into, I guess that is the, the, you know, the main topic, which is the main man, and um, that is President Trump. So we've, we've been hearing, you know, I've been talking to several uh, conservatives on, on Twitter, on Facebook, face to face, and they were saying, give us time, give us six months. So. Mr. Thomas, I guess the first question is to you. Six months in, what do you think? Oh, I think Trump is doing a great job. Uh, six months in, we have the best economy. Uh, I think it's in the last eight, nine years. Uh, highest stock prices, best job recovery. Uh, I think that was what he was specifically talking about was the job recovery. Uh, every single month, we're outperforming job numbers. Every single month, more and more jobs added to the economy. And soon, once uh, Kevin uh, finishes the deal on tax reform, we're going to have one of the best, strongest growing economies according to our tax plan, which hopefully will be able to be done on a postcard, which I'm sure everybody's going to love. Uh, we're having bold reform that uh, we're going to have for the first time in maybe uh, an entire lifetime, you know, on healthcare, on tax reform on a whole bunch of different issues. So it's exciting. So uh, let's, let's, let's break that apart. And um, I guess first would be on how, oh, you said the economy, valid point. We are, we are boosting, we are better. We are um, continuing to recover from the recession, but on the, the major thing that he campaigned on, such as uh, healthcare, such as the wall, uh, such as the infrastructure, he hasn't seemed to have gained a whole lot of traction. Um, so just being open-minded, why do you think that is that, you know, some of these bills have not gotten across his desk yet? Oh, well, you know, 
Trump is this kind of guy. He wants to start with the hardest thing first. And the hardest thing is obviously going to be health care. You know, you got Republican representatives from Texas completely on the different side from Republican representatives in Ohio. One state took the uh, extensions, the other state didn't. So, you know, you got to bring all these people together and get them to agree on a bill. I can't even get a couple of colleagues to agree on where we want to go eat for lunch. So you got that. Uh, I think one of the biggest things uh, that Trump ran on was the economy. He was the businessman. Uh, I think that's great. But, you know, we're going to we saw some movement. We got we got it up to a debate. Hopefully Republicans are going to work it out after that tax reform. After that, hopefully we'll get some Democrats to come along with infrastructure. You know, we got it lined out just like that. Uh, hardest to easiest. Uh, hopefully we'll get some Democratic support on that last one. And uh, I think by the time election comes around uh, here next year here uh, for Trump in two years, three years, uh, I think we're going to have a great year for Republicans. Great. Two different election cycles. All right, uh, Mr. Aaron, you just heard the lineup. You just heard what he thought about the president. So tell me what you think. Uh, well, uh, I'm not too excited about uh, Mr. Trump, uh, mainly because I, I feel like he may have uh, lied in order to get where he was. Uh, I think that, you know, it's great. His promises sounded good. Um, some of them uh, sounded good, but not all of them sounded very good. And, and frankly, he alienated part of America in his campaign. And I feel like he is conti he continues to alienate part of America as he, uh, uh, you know, does, you know, his government. Um, one of the, uh, the if, if talking about health care, uh, I don't think what the Republicans spent eight years saying that they had a plan for, uh, what they put out is good. I, I, I wholeheartedly think that it's not in the best interest of working hard class Americans. And I don't think it'll uh, lower prices. And I don't think in the long run, the people that came on to health care because of the Affordable Care Act will still be on health care once uh, you know uh, the Republicans finish, you know repealing, uh, you know the Affordable Care Act, and also I think that it that if if he's just working on one thing at a time, I don't think that's a good way to use your energies. Focus on you know have your people that you have that to help you have them help you get the certain uh, different things across. You don't have to work on one thing at a time, in my opinion. But the healthcare, uh, it, it, that seemed to have stalled. So then you move on to the next thing. Get things done for the American people, but do it in a way that it's good for us. And I, I don't think what has been put to the table is good for us. And uh, I think that we have distraction after distraction in the news. Uh, but I'm, I, I, I think that what, what would really be good for America right now is for the president to dial in and uh, to focus, help, help us focus on the things that really need to get done. And really, I don't see that with how he's running his government. So that's going to be my question, Tom, that I'm going to toss over to you, um, is that so you, 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 you say that you have the agendas lined up. Um, Healthcare, tax reform, infrastructure. 
But then the messaging of that. Um, yes, you can say that the media sometimes looks on the little things. We're going to talk about the media solely uh, later on in the show. But the, the president sometimes steps on his own toes. Um, when there's like for infrastructure week, and you're talking about attacking your own attorney general, which we're going to talk about as well. So what can this White House do? We got it that there now is a new communication director, which is also bringing in his own kind of story. Um, but this White House seemed to be struggling to get on task on their own messaging, on their own platform. Uh, you got a couple different questions in there. Uh, with messaging when it comes to the Republican Party and messaging coming from the White House. So the Republican Party, yes, has always been bad at communicating our points uh, and making a case for things. Uh, you know, it, we have a hard time saying that, hey, you know, Obama said you could keep your uh, keep your doctor, keep your health care, keep your insurance. That didn't happen. We have a bad we have a hard time saying that we have a hard time saying, hey, you know, who out there is happy that their premiums have gone up 100, 200, 300 percent? Who's out there happy that all the insurance exchanges in Texas have pulled out except for one in most counties? Uh, who's happy with that? Where's all this competition with the different exchanges? Where's the state that exchanges are just dying to get their hands in that market? Uh, it's just not happening. And we're very bad at communicating that. We're very bad at communicating the failures of the Democratic Party over the last eight years. And hopefully as a party, we can get better at that. However, I have to say Trump, I believe, is a master communicator because he plays that media. That's how he won the election, was playing the media. He chooses what everyone's talking about. You know, the Democrats aren't out there slamming him every single day over health care. You know what they're talking about? Jeff Sessions. And you know what they're talking about? How good of a man Jeff Sessions is. And you know what? I think you're playing right into Trump. And, you know, that's just coming from me. I could be wrong. You know, I think Trump is playing 3D chess, but, you know, you think he's playing checkers and we're just going to have to agree to disagree. But so far he got elected. I think he knows what he's doing with the media. And I think he's playing them perfectly. OK, I can I I think I, I, I don't know if it's 3D chess, but I do, I do think that he has been in the media for a long time. And I do not think that this president is stupid by any standard. I think that sometimes he knows how to run the conversation. And so when he tweets in the morning, he automatically drives conversation for the rest of the day. Um, so, yes, I agree with you. Like I said, we're going to get into the media aspect of it later on. Um, but then when you tweet things that sometimes are outright, it, it, this, for example, um, if you say that, President Obama tapped into your phones. Or if you say that for the little things, like we had the highest inauguration thing ever, which can be easily proven or disproven. Um, when you, again, uh, yes, you, you, you're driving a conversation, but you're attacking your own attorney general um, or you're attacking the intelligence community. community. Um, sometimes it, it might be light, but it might be negative light. So why not put it on and put the message on jobs? Why not put the message on healthcare or any other one of those endeavors? Um, besides talking about um, Hillary Clinton and um, some of her issues, when she's no longer in the running, when she's a private citizen. You know, I, I think you are a little right about that. Uh, Trump, I think, is very into campaign mode. He loves campaigning. He loves going on to issues that he knows are winning issues for a campaign, getting into health care. Now, you know, you've got Democrats that are going to say Obamacare is the best thing in the world. You got Republicans that are going to say Obamacare is not the best thing in the world. But however, when Trump goes and doesn't go on to policy and he goes and attacks on winning issues, 
such as attacking, you know, whether it's the FBI director at the time, James Comey. Uh, well, he wasn't the FBI director at the time. He, well, I guess he was fired a little bit through his term. But, you know, he attacks James Comey. He knows that's a win. You know, you have late night TV shows. People are clapping when they hear Donald Trump fired James Comey. And they have to say, well, why are you clapping? Why are you clapping? That's good. Trump knows that that's a winning issue. He knows where to attack. Uh, to get a winning issue. And he knows that policy is a lot harder. You can't do a 150 character tweet talking about the failures of Obamacare, talking about how people can't afford insurance, talking about how young people didn't buy into the promise to pay for elderly. So now the exchanges are falling apart. It's a lot harder to get that through in a short snippet. Uh, but when you go to broad general statements for campaign issues, it knocks it out of the park. That could be a valid point. Mr. Lawson, um, also on that front, it seems to be what Democrats are struggling um, because they seem to say that they, there's a camp that wants to focus exclusively on Russia. I think Oldman's in that camp, um, people like that. Um, however, there's the ones in the middle that are trying to revamp. Um, we heard the, the, I can't remember that slogan the Democrats first tossed up last week. It was like, better deals, better. It sounded like a Papa John's commercial, uh, to be honest. Um, and then you have the left wing of the party, the Bernie Sanders camp. Um, who are not wanting to get focused on Russia at all. They want to focus more on health care, on um, the economy, on jobs, on infrastructure. So I think it was, in fact, last week that even uh, a Democratic senator, a uh, high-ranking high one, confessed that they don't know what the messaging is. So, and as well as that, polls show that a majority of Americans think that Democrats are just strictly anti-Trump, not you know standing up for anything, but just being opposite of something. Basically, being a mirror of what some of the Republicans did on Obama years. So, what are, can the Democrats do to improve their messaging? Well, for for one thing, uh, the Democrats uh, could. Uh, you, you see, Thomas had said that uh, the real time getting their message across. I, I, I kind of dis discount that because uh, during the Obama years they got their message across. They got the fact that the Affordable Care Act wasn't the name of the Health Care Act. We all know what the name of the Health Care Act and it was Obamacare. They ran on Obamacare. They were good at getting that message out that Obamacare is bad and that Obamacare will not uh, lower your health health care prices and all, all. But I feel like the Republicans had a good a uh, good message, good way to get their base out to vote. Um, now, on the cross side, on the Democratic side, I, I think we can learn from the Republican Party in that every election is important and that we have to get our base out to vote on every uh, election and with the things that they care about. Um, and, and right now, it does seem like the, uh, the Democratic Party is, is going in many different directions and after the election they had to do some soul searching uh, but what i think uh that the democratic party has to do is has has to not just show america that they're against donald trump is that they have to show america that they're for america and therefore getting things done so with bernie sanders and the different uh senators and uh, um, things that America, America cares about, like uh, jobs and um, infrastructure and education and, and uh, you know, and, and uh, 
going against uh, uh, secret uh, bills for health care. Um, I think that's a good thing. And I think they, they don't need to just focus on that one thing that Trump talked about the Patriots. Because uh, even uh, Trump in office still can get some good things done um, if they pick the right bills. Yeah, I think I I can uh, see that mindset. Yeah, mindset. Agree with it. Agree with I think, it. think that, that uh, is going on that this this administration, um, is, not this administration, excuse me, the Democratic Party is still they're committed to. Um, if you want to be hard left, if you want to be the, the, the party that says that we should have single payer um, health care, be the party that fully embraces um, a, a good, solid infrastructure plan that may be costly, but it's to upgrade our role structures. Um, then be committed to that. But it seems to be that they're struggling to get that message across because they're struggling to be committed to the plan. They're struggling to get to that core. Um, if you say, that, like, like Kamala was saying, the general broad stuff, you actually what they stand for. Freedom, liberty, and extra freedom on the side. But for Democrats, sometimes they get some nuance into the, the, the details of it. That, that's what a disabused part, part into. And it's hard to connect people with that. So uh, time is moving on. Um, on to, to healthcare real quickly. Uh, do you think that the Republicans will get it done or will we be stuck with the with Obamacare or a watered down version of Obamacare? Oh man, uh, you got me on this one. I, I don't like to talk bad about other Republicans, but the Senate needs to get in gear. You know, Trump won off of a couple different things. He won because he wanted to build a wall. And he won because he was anti-Obama. You know, he was going to repeal Obama taxes. He was going to get rid of Obamacare. Uh, he was going to make our country military great again, make our country respected around the world again, make people, you know, know that you can't mess with us. Uh, and, you know, the Senate is just, they're a little slow. They're a little slow. You know, like I said, you got you got one senator from Maine, one senator from Alaska, a uh, couple others that just aren't necessarily fully on the Trump train. And I don't know how it's gonna shake out here in the next election. Unfortunately, senators aren't elected every two years, so we can't go and you know press them, hold their feet too much to the fire. But I think Trump is doing that a little bit with some tweets. Uh, he did it with, uh, I think, the breakfast he had with uh, all 52 members of the Republican Party for the Senate uh, said, you know, hey, this guy, you know, hopefully you're reelected again. You know, I really like you. I uh, can't remember his name off the top of my head, but you know, that, I mean, that's what people have to get across. They have to know that you have to go with Trump's agenda. You have to support the president. There's one thing that I can say I admire about the Democrats. You know, they pushed out a 2000 page bill that nobody understood what was in it. They still don't understand what's in it. Nobody read it. We pushed out in the in Congress. Kevin Brady pushed out. I believe it was like a 52 page bill, something like that. It was less than 100 pages. You know, something you can read in an afternoon if you really wanted to. Uh, and you know we're just we're just having a hard time getting those senators to get on board and get this bill to conference and get it hammered out. Uh, but I'm I'm a little hopeful. I think uh, I think eventually they'll realize that they got elected. Trump got elected, and the American people want this. So uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, 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 not, not I got you selling, selling dropping, dropping, picking, picking it up. It up. Um, um, but but it, 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 
you were that came the message thing to sell. However, the question is more so now shifting on to the shakeup that's going on right now. I mean by that is Mr. Anthony, who is now the White House communication I think he was a minor like and literally uh it seems like every um day there's something new about him not just about you're talking about president trump but about him personally and whether he had been better previous um there was a, the new yorker dropped an interview that he called in on he said stuff that i can't even say on his net on this air right now um so all these good hires of President Trump to get his picture across when the media is so sucked up on their personal um, vendettas and issues. Uh, I can't really talk about him in general. I don't know too much about his backstory, but I can tell you about uh, Sarah Huckabee. She is absolutely amazing. People, every time she goes on screen, people absolutely love it. You know, you said that she's the first woman. She's also the first mother, which I think is very impressive. You know, that lady, that woman, she is just absolutely on it every single time she steps out there. So, you know, obviously her position had to be replaced. So they had to get somebody. How he's going to uh, turn out time will tell. Right now we're two days into it. Like you said, I really don't know. I really don't know. But I can tell you one of the best things that Trump has done so far is getting her higher up in the spotlight because she is just pushing the message. She's pushing back against the reporters hard that are quite frankly trying to make themselves heroes, trying to get on camera, you know, by trying to trick people into difficult questions or just being rude and outlandish so that they can show their readers that they're really pushing on a Russia story. And I think she handles herself just absolutely perfect. I can't can't say enough good things about her. Oh, fair enough. I can see that uh, that. Yes, Sarah. Um, I would I would even agree and say that she was she might have been better than um, uh, Sean Spicer. Uh, I don't know who's going to fill in for that position in Saturday Night Live. Um, I, I'll be honest, that's why I, I watched. But um, Mr. Lawson, Aaron, uh, do you, what do you think about the White House struggles uh, or, or White House shakeups rather? Uh, between specifically, you've got the White House Communication Director. Um, saying, you know, that he does not, I'll say, self-love as the, the chief strategist, Steve Bannon. Um, also, you have the, um, <clears throat> excuse me, he's also saying that uh, he, that uh, the secretary, I mean, excuse me, the, the chief of staff is, you know, a psychopath and, and, and paraphrasing it. Um, but do you think that's conducive to the White House? Or do you think that's conducive to getting um, the message across about the Trump administration? Well, uh, personally, how I feel is that the shakeups and uh, the turmoil in the White House is just another type of uh, distraction uh, that we may have uh, we we may have to go through in looking at a Trump White House uh, uh, with uh, Sarah Huckabee as the uh, you know. Um, Press secretary and uh, uh, Scaramucci as the uh, you know the communications director. I think uh, uh, time will tell with both of them on how they will be. Uh, um, but really, the the press secretary's job is to uh, let uh, the press know what the what's the the president is planning on doing. 
in in his messaging and in his uh, is the press secretary is supposed to be the mess uh, supposed to help get uh, Trump's message out and what the press um, job is really is to to get more information to know kind of where the president is coming from in certain things. So I don't think it's a combative uh, that post should be a combative post. It, it may be difficult at times when uh, different decisions have to be made by the president, but it should that that should be a, a almost symbiotic kind of relationship. Um, and uh, what it kind of feels like is uh, the White House is holding back some things from the press uh, so that the, you know really the American people can't uh, get the information that they really need. Um, but yeah, any shakeups in the White House, even from the you know the communication side to the uh, Attorney General to all of that, uh, you know that that's his you know that his, is his White House. He can you know, put people in place, take people out if uh, as he so chooses, and uh, you know we don't need all of the the, the drama that we're seeing from it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and a good example of this drama is uh, going to Attorney General Jeff Sessions, who is a representative from Alabama, good old roll tide Alabama. Um, but he is apparently at the receiving end of a Twitter storm of the president. I think the president has tweeted, may not have said, he don't say his name, um, but he says, why doesn't the AG investigate Hillary Clinton? Why hasn't the AG investi- uh, removed the acting FBI director? Um, the same acting FBI, FBI director that President Trump interviewed himself to become the full FBI director. So, uh, and why do you think that um, it may have been what was Thomas alluded to early in the show about uh, President Trump just wants to drive the conversation, um, but sometimes he drives conversation to an area that he doesn't bode well in. For example, the Russia story, um, where you now you're seeming to try to fire uh, the FBI, you fired the FBI director. Um, you're trying to remove uh, Jeff Sessions, and the main reason it seems to be is because he recused himself. Um, you want to remove the acting FBI director, so the scene, and you want to um, your 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 staff at least is just bad mouthing the special counsel Robert Mueller, who has been praised on both sides of the aisle. So, Aaron, what is your perspective of why that is happening? If there's nothing there, uh, well, um, in regards to the Russia. Uh, uh, investigation slash scandals slash uh, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I think uh, for in the case of the American people, it, it's good to know what's going on with it. But I don't think that should be as as, a, as we as the American people. I don't think that's something we should be focusing on. And um, you know, people uh, I guess like to see that, so the news likes to report it. But uh, there, I feel like there's something there, but um, currently, right now, um, six months in, the conversation needs. I feel the conversation needs to be different. Um, uh, you know, something's there. Uh, you know, there, if if uh, there wouldn't be so so much uh, activity from Donald Trump in regards to halting or impeding that, if there wasn't anything there, yes, but. Um, but on on the other end, there's more stuff that there's other things we should be focusing on. 
That's a, that's a valid point. And, and Thomas, on that point is that, yes, you can say that maybe the media is focusing too much on Russia. We've said this on this show before. Um, however, we have shifted. Again, remember that the dialogue and, and multiple times from Kellyanne Conway, from Sean Spicer, from President Trump, from Donald Trump Jr., from everybody attached to that campaign administration has said that there was nothing there. Nobody even looked at Russia. They don't even know what Russia is on a map. But we have shifted now to two weeks ago. You have Donald Trump Jr. getting an email that literally says Russia wants to help you give or help wants to give you bad evidence on Hillary Clinton. So how do we shift from nothing there to email chains? All right. Well, first of all, I would like to remind everybody that uh, the only reason this Russian lawyer that he met with was in the country was because of the Obama administration. That's just a fun fact to throw out there. Uh, number two, uh, people that I meet with every single day, I don't remember everybody, number one. Number two, I especially don't know where they're from. You know, uh, I, I, I couldn't tell you how many people I meet in the day. And if someone said, hey, have you met this person? You know, I'm in politics. So I'm supposed to remember names. And I'd be like, I don't think so. And they'd be like, oh, wait, yes, you did. You went to a lunch with them. I didn't even talk to them at that lunch. But however, with the whole Donald Trump thing, uh, the, the problem with Donald Trump Jr., uh, you know, he, he just he's new to politics. Uh, you know, someone promised him dirt. He wanted to go look and see if there was dirt. There was nothing there. Uh, the whole Russia investigation is big nothing burger. Uh, honestly, I hope that it continues all the way until Donald Trump runs for president again, because you know what? It's just not outlining what the Democrats stand for. It's not providing any opposition to Trump. It's a big nothing burger. And Trump is just happy as can be to help continue to push this story along. Let me tell you. I love that very good job. Again, I hope that there's somebody, and Tom, to give full disclosure, I'm pretty sure somebody in the White House listens to our show. So <laughs> hopefully they hear the nothing burger and all the hot words that you're saying so they can get you in there. I think that you will be a perfect fit um, behind a podium. But I think that, again, um, the, 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 the say is a nothing burger. Okay. If it's a nothing burger, then I'm going to echo what Shepard Smith said on Fox News and say, then why don't you just come clean? Why did it have to take six months into the New York Times to the New York Times broke the story and they forced you? And I'm being lenient here when I say involuntarily um, giving you transparency when Donald Trump Jr. had to publish his emails before the New York Times did. Um, but if there's nothing there, just say, hey, this is what happened. If we met the Russian ambassador, that's what happened. There was nothing there. We met with some random lady who was trying to do Russian adoption, which is really trying to talk about sanctions. But there was nothing in it. And. We fully embrace the conversation. I mean, the investigation. Robert Mueller can try to wherever he wants to. There's nothing going to be there. But that's not what President Trump is saying. That's not what the campaign is saying. I mean, the administration is saying. They're saying that, again, Robert Mueller is tainted, that he is biased, that he has Donald, I mean, um, Democratic supporters, uh, even though, again, Republicans up and down the board. And Lindsey Graham even said today that you cannot fire Robert Mueller. That will be the end of your administration. So, why, if the, if the investigation is going to end up with nothing, a big nothing burger, why are you trying to step on the investigation so much? Because it puts it back in the news. Donald Trump says, hey, I don't like the guy who's investigating me. Puts it back in the news. This guy, you know, bless his soul. He, he's got a really hard job. He's got to go and try to find something on Donald Trump that has to do with Russia and the campaign. And there's, there's nothing there. And unfortunately... If he's doing his job well, there's no leaks. He can't come out and say, you know, this is what we found. This is what we haven't found. And he's just got to take whatever Donald Trump is blasting out. And Donald Trump's going to blast it out because, one, the guy can't fight back. Number two, 
It's a winning issue. The whole Russia thing, it's a complete winning issue for the Republican Party, for Donald Trump. Uh, on the other hand, would, would we like to see some more things going with, when it comes to policy and stuff in the news? Yes. But the whole Russian thing, you know, as long as, you know, CNN can sell papers, can sell news, can sell airtime, can sell ads, uh, they're going to keep doing the story. And, you know, uh, it used to be said that America would sell its enemies uh, the, the rope to, uh, that they would use to hang us. Uh, that's what it seems like MSNBC and CNN is doing. Uh, they're, they're doing the same thing. They're just selling that rope, selling that Russia story. And you know what? Here so, in the Republican world, we're loving it. So I, I got it. The media is, a, is I will say it, the media is an easy target because they get, they get um, flamboyant when they get attacked. They, they get a little bit on the pedestal that they should not be on um, when they get attacked. So it's an easy target. Plus, uh, you can listen to the language you just the, the conservatives do not like the media. I got that notion. However, my question is, the next one, um, is for Hillary Clinton. Um, she is a constant target of President Trump, um, of conservatives. Fox News is still investigating her. But the thing is, is that she lost. You can say that she's corrupt, she's dishonest, she's a loser. I didn't vote for her. So she lost the election. She is now a private citizen. So why is it that she is still getting brought up? Why is it that conservative media is still investigating her, still wants something to do with the email uh, scandal, still wants something to do uh, with all this corruption? If She's not in office. She, we don't. I, me personally, I don't care. I, I care about it as a, as a person, of course, as an American. And I, I pay great credit to what she did, at pushing along um, women being in politics. But she's not my president. So when you bring into the conversation, you're not pulling me anywhere because I don't care about her in this conversation because she had nothing to do in this conversation. So why is Donald Trump and, and some others? Um, still bringing her up in this, in this dialogue. Well, let me tell you how good it sounds for you to say that Hillary Clinton is not your president. Ah, I can't <laughs> tell you how much. I, it just brings joy to my heart. Uh, she's also got a plug. If you guys want, go out and buy her book. Uh, I think it's titled, What Happened? Uh, let me tell you, spoiler alert, ask any Republican in the entire country, and we can tell you exactly what happened and what's in that book. Uh, but, you know, Hillary Clinton campaign mode, like I said, Hillary Clinton's such an easy target. Democrats didn't even want to vote for her. Nobody wanted to vote for her. She had no message. She's just a, a black hole that you could just put, you know, generic Democrat and just hammer away at her instead of hammering away at, you know, anybody, Chuck Schumer, anybody else, and just get away with anything you want to get away with. I mean, it, it comes back to Trump is the master campaigner. And uh, that, that's what he does. That's what he does. He knows the way to drive his agenda and to drive the Republican Party. We got to get support. We got to keep the enthusiasm high. Hillary Clinton, that's a winning issue 100 percent of the time because Democrats don't even want to defend her. So, uh, Aaron, I, I pulled you in because um, uh, here's my thing about it is that, yes, Hillary Clinton's an easy target. But you also set yourself up because drain the swamp, uh, the sewer, the manure, also, I live here, so can you stop talking about my city as if it's a third world country? Um, there, are, there are people who live here who love this city uh, and who are just government employees, just like a teacher, just like a policeman, just like a firefighter. So they live in D.C. as well. It's not that bad. Come visit it sometime. Um, but 
you know, drain the sewer, it seems to be getting filled up by the same administration that ran on it and that you're putting all these uh, ethical um, or overrules or exemptions to your senior administrations. Um, you have Kellyanne Conway saying today that a financial disclosure is a bad thing because it keeps the good men and women from um, working in this administration. So and what is your perspective of um, of the Hillary Clinton um, of Target on Hillary Clinton? And do you think it's playing well uh, for President Trump? Base that uh, Hillary Clinton is a a a word that will get them riled up and get them going. It, it feels like Donald Trump is still campaigning, even though he's supposed to be uh, running the country. Uh, where uh, in regards to Hillary Clinton, he says Hillary Clinton a lot, uh, but. Uh, when uh, it comes down to uh, you know putting your your uh, your opponent aside and running the country, it doesn't seem like he's going there. And I don't think Hillary Clinton should be a part of the conversation anymore because you know the uh, the FBI uh, said uh, you know said she did did problematic things, but didn't do anything wrong. That should be uh, you know uh, should that should put her in jail for or anything like that. So Hillary Clinton shouldn't be a part of the conversation. She has taken herself out of the conversation by uh, not being in the news every day. So I don't know why we keep hearing about her. At this point, we should be hearing about the great things that Donald Trump is supposed to be doing for the country. So uh, I, I think at some point, he's got to put those tight buzzwords away and you know run the country and have new things uh, for people to be excited about, um, and uh, Hillary Clinton shouldn't be one of them, and you know Obamacare or, or Obama should should also not be one of them as well. I agree, and I think that, and that those are all valid points. I think that during the campaign cycle, I'm pretty sure we're about to hear Hillary Clinton's name for the next four years, and that's it's going to be dreadful. Um, but it, it, at what point? Now we're going to focus on the Trump supporters. At what point would Trump supporters are going to start looking at? Okay. I got it. Hillary Clinton's horrible. That's why I didn't vote for her. That's why I voted for you. But where is the the the, the dividends of why I vote for you? I, I, my health care is uh, not getting addressed, um, or at least not to where I thought it was going to be. You promised me this fantastic, cheaper, the greatest thing ever kind of health care. And right now, my health care is like a barely worth a nickel. Um, you promised me good roles. We haven't even heard about the infrastructure bill. Tell me taxes. Uh, yes, I can say I, I haven't heard we heard some traction on taxes, but it seems that they're still going to have great divides within the Republican Party about that. Um, and then uh, uh, as well is uh, you've you got the Russian story. You have um, the the White House, again, communication director uh, talking about doing all kind of things <laughs> and all kind of um, rhetoric being spewed out. Um, and so, it, Thomas, at what point? Uh, the, the Trump supporters start holding the Trump administration accountable for what's going on um, in this country. Uh, one quick thought I forgot to say. How refreshing is it that uh, Donald Trump Jr. could actually release his emails because he didn't smash all the hardware he used? Uh, but that's enough about that and Hillary Clinton. Uh, so the Trump supporters, here's what they know. They know that there's, there's a part of the party uh, I saw it in Harris County when I worked for the Harris County Republican Party. You had people who voted for Trump that didn't vote down the ticket. 
and it hurt us bad. And then you had people in the Republican Party that went and had been Republicans all their lives and voted for Hillary Clinton and then didn't vote down the ticket. And that hurt us really bad, too. So the, 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 the Trump supporters, I was one of them very early on, as soon as I saw him come down those escalators and listen to his mm -hmm. speech, it was amazing. Uh, they, they understand that there, there is a, an elitist mentality within the Republican Party uh, with some individuals uh, in Washington, D.C. and in their own personal lives that still don't believe that Donald Trump should have won the election, that they, they would have rather have seen Hillary Clinton. Then you got the Trump supporters that viewed Hillary Clinton becoming our president was the end of democracy. That was just pretty much the end of America as we know it. You know, we're going to go too far. We're never going to be able to come back. In order to get those Trump supporters to leave Trump, something big is going to have to happen. Like Trump said, he can go out on Fifth Street or whatever and shoot somebody, and he's going to still have a lot of supporters sticking there with him. Uh, it's going to be really hard to pull those people back, which is very unfortunate for the Democratic Party because those supporters are in Wisconsin, those supporters are in Michigan, those supporters are in Indiana, Ohio, states that you guys uh, are pretty competitive in, but Trump won pretty handedly. Uh, you know, it, it, in order for Trump supporters to leave Trump, I, I just don't see it. I see them going to, they're going to more turn on the elite politicians that they believe aren't supporting Trump's agenda, those seven people that didn't vote on the health care bill. But in the end, I think we're going to get tax reform done. I think we're going to get the infrastructure plan done. Healthcare is a little shaky, but I'm hoping. I got my fingers crossed that those seven individuals, those seven senators, are going to have a, a come to Jesus moment and realize freedom, 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 vote Republican, <laughs> let's win, vote for Trump's agenda, get on the train. It's, it's a little late, but you need to get on here. Come uh, on, we're, we're willing. But <laughs> Okay, but that's, that's my, my, um, my thing is that, okay, so uh, oftentimes the Republican Party runs against the elitists. The ones that think they're too snobby, um, too high class, and they they override the ones, the good old Middle Eastern, I mean, excuse me, Middle, Midwestern and um, and Southern and all those heartline folks who just want to hear their voice up in the nation capital. Got it. Then why in the world did you vote for a New York billionaire? That's my thing about it is that Donald Trump has what point in time did Donald Trump be even upper middle class. He has been a millionaire all his life, if not a billionaire, the majority of his life. So how does someone who literally is known as being rich connect suddenly with a down-home Alabamian who works nine to nine, five days a week? Um, and so my question is, and, and again, is I got the Republican message. But it seems, and I don't know how it happened. I think, it, I, I don't know. I lean on your understanding for that. But the messenger of that is, it seems to be, you could have picked almost anybody else to be more opposite of what the Republican message is of the middle class, hardworking, average Joe. And now you have Donald Trump, who literally is known for writing his name in gold as the bearer of that message. So how do those two things shake up in your viewpoint? Rick, you're making me laugh a lot. Uh, so I, 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 I agree with you on certain things. I think most any of the 16, 17 Republican candidates we had could have probably beat Hillary Clinton. The electoral map would have looked a lot different. Only Trump would have been the one to win those Middle Eastern, uh, <laughs> to win those Midwesterners, those people in the heartland. Uh, the way he connects with them 
uh, like you said, he's a billionaire, writes his name in gold on giant buildings. How does he connect with people? You know, the guy's down to earth. He eats at McDonald's. He goes to the drive-thru. He has uh, has uh, ketchup with his steak. You know, it, it's the little things. It's the way he talks. It's the way he uses his hands. It's the way uh, he pulls people up on stage. You know, you can really tell a lot just how a person acts. You know, when we saw Hillary Clinton out there, robot. Saw Donald Trump out there, yeah, he messes up, he says the wrong things every now and then, but he speaks his mind, he's truthful, and he really connects to you on a personal level. You feel like, you know, that guy could sit down with him and just talk about anything, and he would just listen. And uh, I think that's what won him over, you know? The Midwesterners, the people in the heartland, the people, the forgotten man, they can really feel that about somebody, and they really felt that about Trump. I'll, I'll let you know, not a native Texan, I'm from Indiana, I felt that about Trump. Yeah, and uh, I'm sorry that it, but our, our audio is getting shaky. Sorry, I missed some of what you said. But I had to pull myself literally off the camera when you said he eats McDonald's because I cannot believe that you're using that image where he's on a private jet um, with a with a Happy Meal or a Big Mac or whatever it was. And, like, that's the average Joe right there. That's the thing that connects to him. But um, Aaron, I'm, I'm about to pull you back in as well because um, – that's the thing that we have to the grasp, and uh, uh, we have to grasp. And on the left side is that you pretty much can't move those supporters, and those supporters are committed to Trump to the end. Um, so, why is the left seemingly trying to keep pulling at something that isn't there? I don't think as long as they can run on Nancy Pelosi, Hillary Clinton, they can say those names all day long until Nancy Pelosi has retired for a decade and they'll still probably use Nancy Pelosi. But they're not going to move. So, Aaron, why do you think what do you think the Democrats need to do um, to get other people energized like Trump supporters um, on their side uh, to vote so that they can they can have those kinds that kind of loyalty? So, uh, first of all, it's all, it's all about energy. And I think uh, uh, Thomas was right when saying Trump had the energy. Uh, uh, for some reason, he did connect with uh, uh, those people. I, I don't want to say maybe he was saying some things that they were feeling uh, when they were uh, losing some of that privilege that they felt. But uh, there were people hurting and he connected with those hurting people. And uh, now it's on the Democrats. Uh, uh, first of all, our base, we need to energize them. We have a problem when it's time to go vote at the polls. And, and the first thing we need to do is get our base uh, to start voting every election, every time there's an election, because all elections matter. And all the Democrats and liberals out there, I want to tell you again, all elections matter, whether it's for president or whether it's for the school board in your county, you need to vote. Um, but we, we have to be energized ourselves to go out and vote, spend that time to uh, learn about our candidates and going out and voting. Um, and the Democrats on their end, yeah, we got some big people. Uh, maybe, maybe the Democrats need to change uh, who leads, who, who, who gets out the messaging. Um, uh, but I feel like 
we got to, you know, as Democrats and as liberals and as people on the left, we need to go out and vote. We, we, not, we need to not be known as the people who don't go out and vote. We need to vote every, every election, every year. And, and, and once we uh, uh, start voting more and getting our people into those down ballot uh, places, you know, as school board and mayors and governors and, uh, uh, um, you know, state legislation, once we get those people in, maybe that, that base that Donald Trump has, maybe we can take from that base because uh, uh, those, those local people uh, are the people who actually engage with the people, uh, the, the community more so uh, than the president. Maybe we need those people to start engaging with them to, to bring them to our side, uh, for lack of a better term. But uh, I, I think that uh, as, Demo as Democrats and uh, liberals, we need to f start voting on a regular, uh, and then things will start, I, I feel things will start changing as well. Yeah, and I think then it's moving on. I think you're you're absolutely right that uh, the Democrats need to get more energized. Um, I think that part of the reason that Donald Trump won is because everybody's like, ah, he's not going to win. I can stay home. It doesn't matter. And then, lo and behold, we now have a President Trump in the White House. So I think you're absolutely correct in, in on that. Um, the last topic uh, that I like to talk about is the media. And I'm going to pull you in first, and I'll pull Thomas back in. Um, but the media, I don't know. Sometimes I think they're helping because they're depressing on some of the issues that I do think that should be covered, such as the health care bill, um, because it impacts every American in this country. So it should be thoroughly talked about, uh, such as the transgender ban, something that needs to be talked about, uh, such as other pressing issues in the nation. However, when they get in their feelings uh, about a meme, about a, a gif of President Trump on WWE, and now I have the New York Times talking about and CNN talking about how much this is underneath the presidency. That's not what's important, man. It's, 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 it, it's funny. I actually thought it was funny. And I thought that all the memes that ensued after that of CNN getting beat up was also funny because it showed that it, it, it gifts happen, memes happen. You, uh, you don't know how many Michael Jordan crime memes I have personally used in the last couple of years. And Michael Jordan gets on me, he's irritated by it. But Michael Jordan exhibit, Kanye West, everybody, it's, a, it's, it's just social media. So just because the president does it or doesn't mean that he's trying to attack the First Amendment. Um, I think that he has effective branding when he calls it fake news because um, that clearly pushes their buttons. But like Thomas said in the, early in the show, is that it plays to that narrative. So what would you give... To the media do you think they're doing well do you think they're doing good or do you think there are things that need to improve on well for uh, in in regards to the media I, I think uh first of all uh we need to uh do media have media where it's not emotional right now uh, uh right after the election people were very emotional and for that time maybe that was okay but now it's time uh to get in the business of telling people what's happening and a lot of people don't want to know uh, necessarily want to know how the the newscaster feels about it or that they're upset that the tr uh, president called it fake news they want to know what's happening and and, uh, and they don't want 
the one word that I heard is that uh, some newscasters use snark uh, when they give reports, and and that helps with uh, having uh, that helps to to put out a narrative that uh, the newscasters are against uh, uh, Donald Trump or are against uh, the Republican Party or against uh, America for for whatever. But it, what really needs to happen is. Uh, the, the newscasters need to, uh, you know, you know, hold hold the the White House and the Congress accountable, um, and they need to give the reporting of what is happening, um, uh, with with without the snark and with um, just bring us the news uh, as <laughs> as a statement. Just bring us the news. The news is what the people are wanting, and the, and the news is what they need to give. And that extra stuff, the snark and the oh. All that extra emotion. Maybe they don't need to. Maybe they need to pull that back. Maybe they need to dial back how much they cover of uh, the president as well. Maybe we just need to cover his policies. Maybe we need to cover, uh, you know, uh, what what bills are in the the the, the uh, Congress. Uh, I know it doesn't sell newspapers. I know it's not sexy, uh, to la for lack of a better term. But that's what they need to do for in order to get that. Some of that credibility back from the other, I think, from the other side. Yeah, I agree with that. And um, Thomas, bring you in. I know that you're about to just light up this section. Um, the, the, I, I, I beat up on. Uh, I, like I said, I beat up on the media because I don't feel like I won't see any to contact me. But um, I, 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 I hope I'm on the media because they do have a role. They are the fourth estate to hold the government accountable. So they have. A, a definitely that's why they baked into the constitution. Um, but the, the the some of the stories that they publish about like the main thing about the fact that Donald Trump gets two ice cream stoops and in, in, in his dessert um, uh, and stuff like that. I just think that it, this is what we're talking about. That that I would agree that talking about ice cream and talking about how Donald Trump gets two versus everybody gets one is fake news. Um, but on the other end, on some of these things that, that do merit conversations, such as uh, Jared Kushner, um, you know, for apparently saying I didn't have any contacts. So last week, oh, no, wait, I remember that I had 100 contacts. I need to update on my security form. Um, that's the stuff that can get covered. So where do you think the media has a role in our American society? Uh, I think the media has an obligation to continue covering the Rus Russia investigation. I think they need to go and double down on that now. Uh, you know, it, it, the media is extremely important. Uh, you know, it, it's how we get our news. You know, it, it, it always frustrates me when I ask people, what, what, what news source do you, do you get your information from? They say the BBC. Uh, you should not be going to the BBC to get American news. You should be able to trust someone here in America to give you some news. Uh, but like you guys have pointed out, the snark that's on CNN, the snark that sometimes even comes from Shepard Smith, because you know what? Fox is fair and balanced. Shepard Smith doesn't really like the president. Uh, people see through that. They see, you know, what, what's in the reporter's heart. And Shepard Smith's supposed to be a hard news guy. He's not commentary. He's not opinion show. He's the hard news. But yet he's out there, you know, sleight of hand attacking the president. And uh, people see that. 
And it just, it really hurts the narrative of having a fair and balanced news media. And it does not for Fox because it shows that, you know, they have a whole bunch of different newscasters with a whole bunch of different opinions. But when it comes to CNN, MSNBC, those uh, stations that just hammer at Trump every single day, morning Joe, uh, people see through it. So yeah, you're getting ratings. Uh, and unfortunately, that's what our, our news media has come down to. It's what's going to get the ratings for today. Is talking about healthcare going to get the ratings? It's not. Is uh, talking about Donald Trump, talking about, you know, his kids, talking about uh, Russia, obviously. That's what's going to get the ratings. That's what's going to get people to tune in. And unfortunately, you know, if that's what gets people to tune in on your, uh, your news channel, then I, I feel bad for you. Well, that can be a, a valid point. But at the same time, my, my pushback would be is that, if you think uh, CNN is bad as far as objectivism, um, then wait till you see Fox because uh, he, Tucker Carlson, um, Sean Hannity, good God, uh, all these, they don't even call themselves reporters. That's their cover. But Fox News is saying that they're fair and balanced. So if you think that Warren Williams, who's a, who I would say is a moderate liberal, is the counter to Sean Hannity, on Fox News to keep sure it's fair and balanced, then I don't think you've seen Fox News. So you've got Fox and Friends who say they're not news, they're not news, they're commentary. You have you used to have Bill O'Reilly, commentary, not news. You have uh, Tucker Carlson, commentary, not news. Sean Handy, commentary, not news. I mean, besides, you know, Chris Wallace and Shepard Smith and then kind of sometimes the daytime newscast, Fox News is just as bad as MSNBC. So... Are we looking for objectivism in our in our meet? Are we just looking for people to stay accountable yeah, to each other um, so that we engage in echo chambers? Oh, no. Echo chambers are horrible. Uh, you definitely don't want that. Uh, like you said, uh, Fox News has a lot of opinion shows, and their opinion shows. Uh, they, they do have counters. They have Sean Handy. He's not obligated to have, you know, 10 liberals on the show with him, but he has Juan Williams from time to time. Uh, that, that's all semantics, but when it comes to hard reporting, you're supposed to be objective. I think Christopher Wallace does a great job, and I think Shepard Smith does show the heart of Fox News fair and balanced. Shepard Smith is not a supporter of the president, anything but. Uh, you also had Megan Kelly, who used to be on there until she decided to go somewhere else. Uh, you know, hard news, uh, not not anywhere near supporting the Republican Party in general of supporting the, the candidate for the president at that time. Uh, so I, I, I do have to say, I think that that's a, a very good uh a way of looking at how it does have multiple opinions, multiple different people pushing their narrative. Uh, but anyway, you know, that's not really anything too much dealing with Trump. But yeah, um, the, the, I agree. I like that we can end um, on that, on that final, did you just say that we should avoid having echo chambers? Uh, I think that sometimes in social media, it is dangerous for us to do that. And uh, sometimes it is hard to listen to the other side because um, one, we're just listening to respond, to counter, to, to be uh, counterproductive to the dialogue and not really gain anything from our um, listening in reality. So um, one last question, and it's the thing that pressed me to because I, I was gonna end it, wrap it up on that, but I remember a phrase you said that uh, Donald Trump is, is, is trustworthy and truthful. I had to. I, I can't. I can't let that go because that just that just like set off bells. Because I'm wondering how, and this could be just again to the Trump supporter, is that when you have statements that come out, leaving the Russia thing alone, 
um, even send that to the side. When you have statements that continuously come out from the president on via on Twitter um, or any other platform, that just is not true. For example, just even touching on the uh, the transgender ban was that it was over a military decision. General um, Secretary of Defense Mattis said they were going to do a, a six-month review on it last month. So that's what the official military position was that we're going to review it. We're not going – but then all of a sudden the next day, the White House is apparently striking – I mean saying that transgenders are no longer allowed to be in the military. The Pentagon said it's all called off balance. The Joint Chief of Staff said it's called off balance. So apparently the, if it, for a military decision, the military seemed to be a hell of a lot of surprise about it. I and mean, that's just, you know, one example. So how is it that you still think that President Trump or the administration does not have a, a, a severe credibility problem? Uh, you know, we could talk for an hour about uh, the, the transgender service in the military. You're a military officer. I'm a military officer. Uh, but what it comes down to, uh, Trump has been in meetings. He's been talking to this chief of staff. He's been talking to people in the Pentagon. And obviously, they've been pushing him in the direction of they don't want to pay for transgender. There's multiple different things that we could talk about this. Like you said in the beginning, I thought you had a great opening dialogue. Uh, you know, it affects unit readiness, uh, the cost. Uh, I'm pretty sure that when you're transitioning, you're taking certain medicines and you're not deployable at that time. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure. Uh, there is a whole big world of different things that's going on there. And uh, a study does, does need to be done. Uh, but with Trump tweeting, I think uh, I think Trump, he likes to tweet. Uh, he likes to get a message out to his face. Uh, I think he likes to do a hard-hitting tweet every single time. So while I think these talks are going through, and I think the general consensus was uh, either they don't want maybe uh, to add more transgenders to our fighting force as of right now, or whether it was maybe we just don't want to uh, pay for them transitioning uh, as the military, as the government. Uh, I think Trump got maybe a little excited and was like, hey, you know, I'm hearing all these reasons why we shouldn't have transgender people in our military who are actively transitioning. Uh, and I, I, so I think he. I think the nuts and bolts that transgender people probably shouldn't be in the military because X, Y, and Z. We'll find out later in the implementation of whatever the White House is going to uh, start pushing out. And uh, I think we'll get more explanation as the days to come. Uh, uh, and Aaron, I'll give you uh, the last word to, to, to give us your take on it. Um, as far as uh, Trump and we'll talk about the, the, the transgender ban, speak on that, but to, to the heavier note of the credibility of the White House and the president. Um, what is your perspective um, of this problem? Well, I think that credibility-wise and uh, me believing the president, I have a tough time believing the things that he says, especially if he says something and at the end of the line he says, believe me, and puts his hands out as he does. Uh, but uh, I think uh, with transparency, his organization has not been that transparent. And uh, this, and the Congress hasn't been that transparent um, in um, in the different bills that they're putting out, they're signing out uh, and everything like that. So I, I don't think at this point in time, he's very credible, but you know, we're six months in. So, uh, uh, you know, you really shouldn't say things about crowd sizes and uh, 300 million people 
300 million people voted illegally in in California without evidence. If you're going to say something big, bring some evidence with it and maybe we'll we'll start believing the things you said. But until that time, you're going to not have credibility with me. That's, that's, I think that's a valid point as well. And I think that this uh, White House, it needs to um, focus more, in my opinion, on the spectacles. I think that the White House communication director speaking out to the New Yorker about uh, uh, the chief strategist and White House chief of staff, that does not help deliver that message of jobs, of the, the heart folks and the heartland people and all of that is getting missed when we're talking about uh, how the, the communication director is going to impose his will in, in the White House and play and seems to be playing um, political games. But um, thank you to either, either way, gentlemen. Uh, it, was a, it was a pleasure having you on. Um, Thomas, as always, uh, you are more than welcome to give us um, more hot button words like hot nothing burgers. Um, we appreciate having you on. Um, good luck to you and your campaign. Good luck to your uh, your man, uh, Kevin Brady. Uh, I hope that uh, there's a spirited debate in it, and I hope that you um, be successful in that field, sir. Thank you very much. Anytime you want me in here to help, love doing it. All right. We will definitely take you back up on that offer, man. And, to- and um, Aaron, as always, thank you as well. Thank you for being a part of the show and welcome to the family. Look forward to have you back on too, man. All right. Thank you for having me here. Yeah. All right. Uh, so thank you to the, to the viewer for being a part of the show. Um, as always, you are a winning part of our team. We want to hear your commentary. You, we're trying to get better in our um, podcast, trying to bring in more services or better services so that our uh, videos and productions will be um, more smooth, more crystal clear, so you can hear and engage us in the debate. And not only that, but we also um, want to have you on the show as well. And so if you want to be a part of the show, you can just simply DM me, Rick Ryder, or you can email us at change at gmail.com. You can also DM the show, and we can schedule a time for you to give us your opinion. We have absolutely no problem with that. So again, Thank you for being a part. Uh, we're going to bring in more guests. We're going to have Thomas back on, hopefully, uh, if he's not too busy. And we're going to give you better content, more content, to give you a more constructive dialogue between the left and the right, the middle, and all in between. So thank you for being a part of the show. Uh, make sure you check us out and like us on Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter at Rick G underscore P2P radio. I am trying to get verified. Jake Tapper like my like one of my tweets. Yes, this is provable. I can prove it via Facebook, and I will. Um, and also, we have senior Trump administration's uh, advisors who are also retweeting me. So if you want to get engaged in that, you want to get a piece of that action, make sure you follow me on Twitter. And um, finally, if you were not able to catch us on the stream or on video, you can check us out on SoundCloud and on iTunes. Subscribe to us and catch us on the go. So until next Thursday, 8 p.m. on Facebook Live, be safe. Be blessed and power to the people.